Hi, I'm Dirk Friel, co-founder of Training Peaks, and you're listening to the Training Peaks Coachcast. I'll be sitting down with expert endurance coaches and amazing athletes, each with special stories to tell. At its heart, Training Peaks is about helping you create the best journey possible towards your endurance goals. We hope these stories inspire you to get out there, train with purpose, and never be afraid to sign up for that next big challenge. My guest today is Oscar Eukendrup, who is a sports nutrition scientist and Ironman athlete. He earned his Master's of Science in Human Movement Sciences at Maastricht University, then went on to complete his PhD studying aspects of carbohydrate and fat metabolism during exercise. He then became a professor of exercise metabolism and director of human performance lab at the University of Birmingham. Oscar has authored several books on sports nutrition and over 200 peer-reviewed journal articles on exercise and sports nutrition. He has also been the global director of the Gatorade Sports Science Institute. In 2014, Oscar started his own consulting company, MySportsScience.com, where he advises teams and organizations. Oscar is currently head of nutrition for the Dutch Olympic Committee, Jumbo Visma Pro Cycling Team, and the Red Bull Athlete Performance Center. Oscar is also co-founder of Core Nutrition, which is an app that provides detailed nutrition plans for your races and training. I hope you enjoy the show and learn a few things that can help you with your next race day nutrition. Oscar, you can droop. Thank you so much for joining me today on the CoachCast. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You know, um, you were last on, and you may not even remember, but it was about three and a half years ago in our first season. We didn't do video back then, so if you're listening on Spotify now, we we, we do have video available on YouTube, so you can see how good-looking Oscar is. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, thanks for joining me back. Um, I think, you know, with uh, the race season really picking up, um, I think, you know, a focus on race-ready would be amazing to get your thoughts on how, you know, and also we have a lot of coaches that, that listen to this um, podcast. So, you know, advice for coaches when they're working with athletes and every athlete's different, um, but kind of like how can um, coaches help their athletes get better prepared for the races that are coming up? Um, so sound good to you? Yeah, sounds good to me. And I think um, like what one of the things that will probably become obvious that some, some of the things are a lot simpler than, uh, than people have often made them. Um, oh, yeah. because I don't think it is always that, uh, that complicated, but it is focusing on the things that really matter that, uh, that is important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, certainly, you know, there's, you know, a lot of talk around GI distress and issues, you know, you know, we hear that all the time around Ironman. Um, but can some of race day issues actually begin days out from the race and, and if so, what are some tips uh, to be thinking about as as the race is maybe you know three days away? Should we start actually thinking about preparing for the race, um, you know, days out from the race to try and avoid any issues? Yeah, I, I think you should actually start thinking about the race ten weeks before. Okay. Uh, all right. Yeah. So yeah. So and and this is sometimes what doesn't doesn't happen, and it co it can cause uh, serious problems because if you go into a race and you you may have a plan, 
uh, about how much carbohydrate you're going to consume, how much fluid you're going to consume, and it may be even a very detailed plan. But if you haven't practiced with that plan, which should start 10 weeks before, then that can still uh, be a big problem. Uh, so you need to make sure uh, that you can tolerate everything that you're taking on, uh, on on race day. So start with that 10 weeks before, especially when we when we get talking about like how much and what you should consume. You will see that my recommendation is to actually take on for, for the longer events, at least to take on quite a bit. And if you do that sort of untrained with your gut untrained, then uh, that's a recipe for uh, problems. So we, All right. We're, yeah. we're diving right into the meat of this conversation right away. So I love it. <laughs> um, okay. So again, for coaches, you know, we're for starting 10 weeks out, really, what does that mean? Is that every single workout you're working on, on race day nutrition? Is it a couple days a week? You know, how do you work this? I mean, even, 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 even just the question, what is the plan, right? And how exactly. do you then bring that down into training as if it was an interval day? It's like, okay, how are we going to practice nutrition today? I assume is what you're getting at. Yeah. Yeah. So I think step one is what is the plan, right? So your, you've, your event is uh, 10 weeks, 10 weeks to underline, but you, you need to first get a little bit of information. Like what, what is the event? What are the products that they have on race course? Are those the products that you're going to use or are you going to use your own products? Um, so those are decisions that you need to make. You need to look up the weather uh, conditions and, and understand uh, what temperature is it likely going to be? What temperature could it be in extreme cases if it's really hot or really cool? Um, and I think your plan should be based on all, all of that information. Um, we, we developed a little bit of software is uh, fueldecor.com that can help you with this. Um, but you can also, uh, just, yeah, based, based on that information, come up with your own plan, of course. Um, so what are the fundamentals of the plan? The, well, the fundamentals are essentially the three things you need to look after. The first thing is you need to make sure, and this is probably the most important one, that you're fueled enough. Uh, that's number one. The second one is hydration. And the third one can really be important too, is uh, GI problems. So you have to make sure that you can tolerate everything that you're, you're taking. So those are the, the three fundamental things that you need to like, look after in your, in your plan. Now, the, the first one is relatively simple, I would say. It's um, the, the general advice is really dependent on the duration of the exercise. So if it's shorter, you probably need less carbohydrate. If it's longer, especially if it's longer than two and a half or three hours, um, you can really make a difference with, uh, with nutrition. So uh, we, we can talk, talk about the details of that in a minute. Um, in terms of hydration, obviously, that's going to be completely different if the conditions are going to be cool or hot. Um, and also starting at least 10 weeks before, you should be like starting to do some measurements of how much you're actually sweating because that will inform how much you need to drink. If you don't know how much you're going to sweat, how can you put together like a, a drinking plan? Um, mm -hmm. And then the, uh, the third factor, uh, GI problems, this is something that um, you need to understand like what 
um, what you respond well to in terms of the products, in terms of the uh, volumes. Um, there are also some things that you can do in the days leading up to the race to uh, really minimize the, the chances of uh, GI problems. Okay, so back to the first one there. Um, so obviously, we're talking about carbs per hour. It's kind of the big, the big one there. Yeah. Um, you know, ranges from 75 to 90, um, I assume is what you might be advising. And then the, the trainability of the gut and, and has that been shown that you, you know, I assume that's why you're starting 10 weeks out to try and train the gut to see what works and, and what, what amounts. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we know from research studies that you can train the gut really well. Um, actually, those uh, those guys in uh, major league eating, right? Who do eating competitions? <laughs> right. They know this very well. They have an off season and an on season, and they they know they can tolerate a lot more in the season than they can uh, do off season. So, this is it's not something new. But we also know from uh, studies in the uh, in the literature that you can train. <clears throat> how much carbohydrate you can absorb. You can train how fast you can empty uh, solids and liquids from the uh, from the stomach. And another part of that training is just stomach comfort. Um, so a study in runners, for example, showed that if you give runners a large volume to drink, they find it very uncomfortable. But if you do that five or six days in a row towards the end, they find that's uh, very tolerable, no problem anymore. So just in a space of five or six days training with a larger volume, you can already improve uh, stomach comfort. Huh. Uh, That's interesting. So, yeah, look, I mean, yeah, when you think about runners, it, I mean, typically, you know, runners don't tend to refuel all that often or drink a whole lot during training. So really like specifically setting that up within you know, and again, like how many days a week are we practicing this leading into the race? You know, how often are we practicing the race day nutrition? And, and as I mentioned in running, it's just not a typical thing a runner thinks about, you know, creating that plan during the run is, you know, maybe something key to think about. Yeah. So especially if you don't take things normally in the, in your training, this becomes really important. Um, we, we don't really know how many times a week you should be doing this. And my recommendation usually has been uh, just pick one day a week that you really dedicate to training your gut as well as doing your normal training. So I would pick a session that sort of mimics what happens on race day, usually a little bit difficult because it's not, you don't normally get the same intensity, but try to find a longer uh, training session. It's usually for a lot of runners, it's usually a Saturday, uh, Saturday run or it's a, it's a Sunday longer bike ride. Uh, doesn't, it doesn't matter which session you pick, but it's probably good to pick always the same day of the week. And then the goal is to do the training, but also to practice with race nutrition and maybe even a little bit more than you would actually take in the race itself. Hmm. So that's uh, because sometimes what you can tolerate in training um, is, is not the same as what you can tolerate on race day. It's uh, with the stress and, and everything that happens on race day. It's a, it's usually a little bit more difficult to uh, to tolerate things than it is on uh, just an easy training day. Yeah, and what do, what are we targeting there in terms of grams an hour? 
Yeah, so this depends a little bit on the duration of the activity. But if, if we're talking like up to two hours, I would say go up to 60 grams of carbohydrate per hour. If you go to like two and a half, three hours, then I would I would definitely consider uh, taking more than that. Taking Go up to 90 grams uh, an hour. <clears throat> we have example of professional athletes who push it all the way to 120 or even higher. Uh, per hour but that does require a lot of practice and a lot of training so for for most uh, people 90 grams an hour is what what i would recommend because i think it's doable um, but the really important message here is that you cannot achieve that with a regular uh, product um, a regular product meaning a product that has one type of carbohydrate so you're really looking for products that are designed to be taken at these like really high intakes of 90 grams an hour. Right. Um, and usually these, um, uh, they are mixes of maltodextrins with fructose or glucose and fructose or uh, starches with fructose. Um, and typically, uh, I would look for if, if it's 90 gram an hour, you're targeting for a two to one ratio of maltodextrin and, uh, and fructose or glucose and fructose. Well, and also what about the absorption rate as you go through the race? I mean, I, I would assume, and I believe it's true that you can absorb more in the first 90 minutes, you know, yeah. than you can in the final 90 minutes of a six hour event. So yeah. that, that plan needs to start from the start. You don't, you don't wait an hour and a half to start the plan. Exactly. So, yeah, so exactly as you say, so, uh, especially in hot races, uh, where your blood is needed in the, in the muscles, but also in the skin to cool down, it means that there's less blood in the GI tract. And absorption therefore uh, can sometimes be limiting so if you don't use the first hours to uh, to fuel then you are and you start to fuel in the later hours yeah gut function may be reduced already and you've missed all that opportunity of the first hours where the the gi tract was working perfectly well yeah this is why i don't like the advice that is sometimes given drink to thirst uh. Um, because although in a lot of situations that may work in this sort of situation, you miss that opportunity in the first uh, few hours because you may not be thirsty and therefore you're not taking on anything. Um, so I, I personally, I wouldn't do that. I would make a plan and uh, start fueling, uh, very early in the race. Yeah. And uh, you know, the big thing about race day is the pace. I mean, it, it's tough to, uh, do the exact race pace in training for the length of time that the race may be for. So oftentimes race day is really the only time you experience that. So, um, you know, thoughts around, I mean, that's where C races can come into play. You know, you have a, B and C level races and, exactly. you know, it might be wise to focus on a C level race where you actually can practice that nutrition with that race pace because it's pace seems to be the limiting factor here. You know, if, if I can sit around and eat 90 grams an hour, no problem sitting down, but race pace, it becomes a whole lot harder, you know? So practicing that in training can actually be hard too. 
Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, I mean, the other thing that I, I think what you're suggesting is uh, is also my number one choice. That's what I would do. Uh, but another possibility is that you do a slightly shorter uh, training session at a higher intensity than race pace. Okay. And uh, and and that's also a way to uh, to train the gut. There are many different ways, of course. There's not one one way that is the only way to do this. Um, Actually, just increasing carbohydrate intake in the diet has also been shown just to be a really good way to, uh, to improve the capacity to uh, take up carbohydrate. Huh. Um, and then I would also um, flip that around. So if you're not used to taking carbohydrate in training or uh, if you're avoiding carbohydrate or you're on one of the diets with very low carbohydrate intake, that does put you a little bit at a disadvantage when it comes to race day, because even though you may want to take on more carbohydrate on race day, uh, your body will not be able to absorb it. So yeah. You've talked about that. Um, I've heard some other interviews with you whereby think about the diet and it's, it's kind of like different training days, but the diet can be, can change up as well. I mean, you can have, you know, train low, carb days but then if that's all you do that can affect your race day as you just mentioned whereby on race day you might go for all carbs so mixing mixing that into the training to to kind of train your capabilities sounds yeah. like what you're advocating for yeah and exactly it's it's a little bit like your regular training right you don't train exactly the same every day so why would you eat the same uh, exactly the same every day so I wouldn't do that. So I would I would really target certain days <clears throat> where you train the gut, very high carbohydrate. You try to have really high quality of uh, training by fueling really well. On other days, well, let's just push the body a little bit and, uh, and, and see how it does without the carbohydrate and just limit carbohydrate intake and uh, yeah, do your training session on, on fat burning even. Yeah. So that may mean that it's a slightly lower intensity than you could achieve otherwise. That's fine. It's uh, it's training your uh, fat burning, and what you do is you you develop your engine to be able to use whatever fuel uh, you're getting on uh, on race day. So yeah, and so, what about sodium and your thoughts around? I mean, a lot of people associate sodium with cramping, and. Yeah you know, if they cramp a lot, hence they need to take more sodium. Is that thoughts around that and who needs to do sodium testing in who needs to take on more sodium? Yeah, some, some people will, um, but it's a, it's a relatively small number of people that actually needs to worry about sodium, I think. So if, if, uh, from all the people that I've tested over the, over the years, yes, there are a few people that sweat so much and they sweat in their sweat they have so much sodium that their losses would be really uh, really large especially if they go longer than five hours um, but the vast majority of people really doesn't need to worry about it uh, and uh, I, I think this is one of those messages that has come across people are really afraid to not take enough sodium um, i don't think you need to uh, you need to worry unless very long events extremely high sweat rates and extremely salty sweat. In, in those cases, those few individuals, they need to pay a little bit extra attention. Got it. Well, if we work our way backwards to leading up to uh, the race itself, thoughts around breakfast, um, 
you know, what are your tips around preparing for the race and when might you have breakfast and what would that consist of? Yeah. So, um, it, it depends a little bit on the start of your race, I think. So, because normally I would say, oh, I just get up, uh, like f- take or start four hours before, but sometimes it's just not practical, uh, to do that. If the race start is very early, then, uh, then it's probably to stay better to stay an hour extra in bed and uh, and have a little bit more rest uh, and have the the breakfast a little bit later. Um, but generally, like three hours before is a really good time. Two hours before is still uh, is still okay. If you get within that sort of two hour, um, then you have to be a little bit more careful what what you're eating because um, three hours before fairly large breakfast your glucose would have stabilized by the time you start the the um the race if it's uh, less than two hours before it could be that you're still your glucose is still all over the place um and that's not necessarily a nice feeling in the first part of the uh, the race uh, like you you would develop some hyperglycemia and that's uh yeah generally not recommended even though we we've shown that that hyperglycemia may not actually directly affect performance, um, but it, it may affect how you feel. What about amount of the breakfast? Are you looking at, you know, body weight, kilograms, you know, in, to, to kind of calculate a range? Yeah, if you, if you look purely at the studies, they show like the best approach would be four hours before 400 grams of carbohydrates. So that's just a huge amount. and. Uh, not many athletes that I know can actually stomach that on race day with sixteen hundred uh, calories. Program. So it's a it's a massive uh, breakfast. Cyclists do that, no problem. Um, <laughs> so that's uh, for for cyclists, it's not a problem to have a uh, like a pre race sort of breakfast like like that. But um, yeah. yeah, in in triathlon where you have to get up really early and uh, and. Yeah, just being very nervous, it's very difficult to uh, consume such amounts. So I would, the more practical solution is to take uh, two to three hundred grams, still quite a lot, um, and then uh, two to three hours before. Yep. So that would be and leading. Also, you know, leading up to the start. I mean, when I'm sixty minutes out from the start, I'm always thinking, "Gosh, should I take this carbohydrate drink now, or will that mess up?" my insulin? Am I going to now come to the start line ready for a nap? You know, so I, I personally tend to kind of push it off. Uh, and you know, I get a gel within five minutes of the start. Um, is that kind of logical thinking and what are you, what are your suggestions that last hour leading up to the start? Yeah. I think if you take, take a, an extra gel or even, even two gels, if you can tolerate that, uh, uh, if you take that within 15 minutes before the start, you'll be fine uh, because then insulin doesn't really have a chance to uh, to get up to levels that uh, are going to cause a problem. Uh, so by the time you the gun goes, uh, yeah, it's it's is fine. Insulin is not, and and also your glucose levels are not up, uh, and therefore uh, you don't get this rebound hyperglycemia in the first 20 minutes. Yeah, got it. Cool. What about for folks that do experience a lot of GI distress? What are kind of the top three tips you could advise them uh, looking into to try and avoid issues? 
I think the best way to avoid it is is by paying attention to what you eat the days before, uh, the, the two days before, especially. Okay. I think um, uh, fiber, especially, seems to be one of the factors that really influences uh, GI problems. So if you if you're really prone to developing those problems, just remove fiber from your diet as much as possible those two days before. Um, that that would be one i think uh, the breakfast before uh, again like low low fiber low fat low protein that's also uh, factors that in even in research has been shown to cause more uh, stomach problems and then uh, the other factor would be just yeah practicing uh, in training what you're going to do in the uh, in the race so that's yeah there's no surprises really for your uh, for your body on race day yeah, absolutely. Um, and then moving into like stage races where you have another race the day after a multi-day race, uh, tips for when you do cross the finish line, um, you know, what do you, what should you be thinking about in terms of preparation for the next day? Well, first thing would be start fairly soon after. So you cross the finish line and then that's really where you need to already start thinking about next day. So, uh, we also know in that hour after uh, after the finish, that's a really good time for your body to uh, resynthesize glycogen. So uh, start with carbohydrate. And uh, I think a lot of athletes think of recovery as, oh, we need to have protein. And to some degree, that's true. But most of your recovery is going to come from carbohydrate. So it's uh, pro- protein has a very slow effect. It takes like a long time for protein to actually uh, result in like repair damage and all those things. And that's a process that takes days, uh, whereas you have to race the next day. So you need to make sure that hydration is in order, which usually, uh, unless it's extremely hot, it's not too difficult to do. And then it is the, yeah, making sure that you have enough carbohydrate. Um, the exact amount of carbohydrate, I don't think it matters that much. The recommendation that we usually give is 1.2 grams per kilogram body weight per hour. Um, but that's really based on studies where you had to perform again four hours later, five hours later. So if you have the like almost 24 hours to recover, I, I wouldn't worry so much. It doesn't need to be those... Maybe the first hour I would take that amount. And then after that, you can almost go back to like fairly normal refueling hmm. and having normal meals. Right. Um, I'd love to hear about what you're actually doing these days. I mean, you, you kind of left academia behind um, some of your consulting work. You're still working with Jumbo Visma. Is that, is that yes. right? And there was an article actually that came out today in Vela News with one of the directors and he mentions the food coach. So yeah. I'd love to hear, you know, your thoughts around what you developed, help, help develop there for what purpose and what it actually does and how, how does it help the, the athletes? Yeah. So food coach is a, is an app that, uh, that essentially helps the, uh, the riders to, to eat well and eat according to, their needs eat according to what they're doing on the uh, on the day and the the background to that is um is a little bit when i started uh working with the team in 2017 um we started to think about how can we improve the fueling of uh, of riders 
And um, during the uh, Giro d'Italia, I um, I prepared a spreadsheet to help calculate the energy needs, carbohydrate needs. Um, and initially, I did this with two riders. And I would then do my. I would sit in England. I wasn't actually even in the in in the race, but I would sit sit at home, uh, do these calculations, and then send the information back to the chef, who would then and sort of portion the meals and uh, for for those two riders. Um, incredibly sort of time consuming to uh, to do this. Uh, so that's why I, I could only do two riders at the at the time. So then Jumbo, the, uh, the supermarket, they had an app already uh, that uh, uh, used the recipes they had in their uh, database and tried to figure out like what recipe would be best on what day. So we sort of combined those, uh, those effort and they developed the, um, uh, the Food Gorge app that uh, yeah, re- really took the algorithms from my, uh, from my simple Excel uh, spreadsheet and turned it into an app that the writers could actually use. And then when we started sort of the next season, um, it, it meant that the writers had to weigh whatever they, they were eating. And I was a little bit concerned that uh, it would last a couple of weeks and then they would get very tired of uh, weighing their food every day. Um, but here we are several uh, years later and uh, several versions of uh, Food Coach later and uh, they're still uh, weighing it because they yeah, they can feel the difference. Wow. And they're pulling in data from training peaks, I take it, right after the race? Absolutely. Absolutely. So as, soon, yeah, as soon as they cross the finish line. So what really happens in uh, in, in races, so we, we make some predictions of what, what's going to happen in the race. And we make the predictions for a tour, for example, in, in, in May uh, time. So uh, they're really just uh, predictions. But the predictions are also different for every rider because every rider has a different role on different days and so on. So that goes into... Um, uh, into the algorithm and the calculations for uh, for each day, um, but of course on race day, it uh, race day is always a little bit different than the than the predictions, of course. So as soon as they uh, cross the finish line, they press the bike computer and gets the data gets uploaded to Training Peaks, and then that data gets pulled by uh, Food Coach, and at that moment we have the actual data. So not just like the predicted information, but actually the actual data. And we can recalculate and then adjust the evening meals. Hmm. So this is, uh, uh, yeah, this is how we, how we work now. And it's uh, what, one of the uh, findings is um, that like weights, for example, are really more predictable than they uh, were before, whereas normally in stage races, you have weights going up and down for various reasons and you don't, you never know quite why, but now it's, uh, it's definitely become more, uh, predictable. So. Hmm. And then that those algorithms, are they fine tuned to the individual? I mean, you, you know, you put a rider in the lab and do a lab test, to figure out carb versus fat oxidation. But then here they are doing a six and a half hour stage. You didn't do a six and a half hour test in the lab, I assume, on every rider. Um, and every rider, what is that variation between riders? You know, I assume, you know, the, the... Yeah, there's quite a lot of variation, of course, between uh, between riders. And this is, uh, 
yeah, this is something you you need to you need to figure out for each uh, for each rider. But uh, the the algorithm takes care of of a lot of it. Uh, but yeah. you also need some some other inputs. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of wrapping up things. You've done a lot of research, but if you had the perfect grant right now, what would you want to study? What What is still kind of like a black hole or, or big question? What would you love to see research done on? Um, well, I think the, uh, the, the one, one thing, a lot of the research that we have is based on endurance exercise endurance exercise at fairly constant intensity and this has to do with the fact that we can measure those things easily mm-hmm. um actually uh, as soon as it becomes extremely intermittent the uh, the exercise it's very difficult to do those measurements and and therefore we the information we have about that type of activity is mm-hmm. by extrapolation and not because we uh, do have the measurements and i think this is something that, uh, yeah, we, we could still learn a lot about like more intermittent exercise, not just in endurance sports, but in, in general. So absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I think about that, you know, when you jump in a mountain bike stage race or, or a road stage, you know, you're facing a five hour day, but you start out of the gun a hundred percent racing for the yeah. single track. You know, and she's like, how, how, how do I calculate that, you know, into exactly. my nutrition plan when I don't even know the, the tactics of the day, what's going to happen, you know? So it's, it's kind of like changing on the fly and working with your experience, but then science still has to try and catch up with, as you just mentioned, all of that, un- all those unknowns. Yeah. 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 And of course you, we, we make decisions now on the, the best knowledge that we have available. Uh, but at the same time, we, yeah, sometimes the more, you know, the more you also realize how much you don't know. Yes. <laughs> well, that's, it, that keeps us going. That keeps us going. I'm glad we don't know everything. <laughs> hey, um, you mentioned your app, uh, the core app. How can people find that? Um, well, the website is www.fuelthecore.com. Um, very soon, that's going to change. We're, gonna, we're, going, we're going through a rebranding, and uh, we'll have a new name, Yabadoo. Yeah, um, but for now, this is the uh, this is the website, and uh, yeah, you can just get a free a free plan, so you can try the the software. Uh, you don't have to pay for anything. Um, there is a premium version, uh, and then the advantage of that is that you actually get access to like 2000 plus, uh, products that you can choose from. Hmm. So you can really tailor to, yeah, the, the products that you would use. Yeah. Or, or the courses or the races providing on the, on race day. Yeah. So the, yeah, core, we, we have a lot of races, uh, pre-programmed in, uh, oh. in, in core. And, uh, so it will tell you what, what is available on, uh, and you can do the planning with the products that are on course. Awesome. Yeah. It's a good resource for coaches. Also, uh, what my sports science, is that, uh, a lot of where you publish kind of your, your research findings and great infographics and good resource for coaches there as too, as well. Oh, I just stopped for a second. Oh, <laughs> cramping. <laughs> We're keeping this. You, you know, you need some sodium. 
<laughs> I do need sodium. Where's the sodium? Where's the what sodium did you do I today? Do? I mean, what kind of workout did you do today? <laughs> uh, I just did a Zwift session. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, one of those things where you do a very quick Zwift session in between two meetings. Nice. And yeah. You, you know, you can't actually complete it within the time, but you're, you're dehydrated. <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's it uh, so yeah, yeah my, my, is it my science my sports yeah, science my, my sports science is a is a website that i started to communicate about science um because there, there is so much confusion in uh in the world of sports nutrition um i guess also in the world of training but uh but in the world of sports nutrition there uh, or nutrition in general um everyone who eats and drinks these days seems to be an expert in nutrition, uh, shares their views on it on social media. And that means there's so much information and a lot of it is opinion. Some of it is expert opinion, but it's very difficult for athletes to work out what's real and what isn't and what is based on evidence and what isn't. So yeah, the purpose of my sports science is to explain this, like explain, explain the evidence, um, and separate the, I guess, the facts from the fiction. That's that's what I try to do. Yeah, super. Thanks for putting that resource out there again for coaches. That's great. You can you know find, search, filter different topics, and maybe pass them along to your athletes as a yeah. little sage advice from Oscar. You can droop. So. Thank you so much. Um, hopefully, see you. I don't know. Are you going to go to Hawaii? I may. Yeah, that'll be. Uh, it's been a long time, so I would. I would love to. I'd love to go. So I'm yeah. looking forward to it myself. So hopefully, I'll see you there in October. But uh, thank you so much, Oscar. Some great advice, and uh, look forward to seeing you down the road. Thank you. Pleasure, as always. Mm-hmm.